Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning, Crossroads. Are you, are you glad that there's no snow out there on the ground? Are you glad that it says 6-0, not 0-6? Yes. Well, I got to tell you, I'm glad you're here. I want you know, to know that I love you. I want you to know that uh, God loves you. And I want you to know that I'm excited that we are starting a new series. And the new series uh, that we are starting this week is called Life on Mission. And really what it's all about is... What are we supposed to do as Christians once we get saved? And so um, the, the theme of this is, is God's people, that's us, finding God's heart, that's the everybody for the world. You know, we read that uh, Bible verse, John three sixteen for God so loved the world, he loved everybody, that he gave his only begotten son. And you know, when I think about this, um, sometimes I realize that we get off track as Christians. We know what we're supposed to do, but sometimes we just don't do it. And I, I want to encourage you for the next five weeks on how we can. And so, so here's, I want you to think of three things, all right? Say three. three. All right. So there's three things I want you to do, all right? Number one is I want you to be here. All right, so you're here today. Those that are watching online, thank you for checking in. And, and, and I would encourage you, I don't want you to just, to, this to be a one-week wonder for you. I want you to commit, and you don't have to sign anything. You don't have to write your name. You don't have to draw blood. Um, but I want you to make a commitment that you're going to be here. Because what I'm going to say over the next five weeks will lay the foundation for your walk with Christ. And I would bet that every one of us want to have a better walk with Christ this year in 2021 than we had in 2020. No matter how good your walk with Christ was in 2020, I'm guessing that you want 2021 to be better. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to be here for the next five weeks because I'm going to show you very practically how to make that happen. Number two, say number two. Number two, I need you to be involved. And what does that mean? Well, being part of the worship, uh, whether you're at home, whether you're like me and Josh down here just letting it rip, um, <laughs> worship, be involved in, and not just be involved on Sunday morning, but I want you to be involved throughout the week. See, we are proud to say that we are not just a Sunday, one day a week church. We are a church all week long. You come here tomorrow, we're going to be having a lot of people here doing a lot of stuff. When you come here on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday, you're going to see a lot of things happening here on this campus. And not just on this campus, but the folks that are here representing Crossroads Church are getting out into the community. And we're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. And the third thing that I would challenge you is this, be open. Now, when I think about being open, uh, I, I think of this uh, past Thursday uh, evening. It was Carrie's birthday, and, and so the, the day was going great. Uh, we were uh, over in O'Fallon visiting with our children, and I had just hit the recliner, man. And you know what happens when a man hits a recliner? He goes to sleep. 
All right. And, and so I was kind of right there at the edge of the of sleep. And then all of a sudden I heard. And I looked in the kitchen and there was my son preparing a tri-tip cut of steak for dinner. You know what he was doing to that meat? He was tenderizing it. He was tenderizing it so that the, the tough fibers would be tore up and that they could uh, absorb the, the flavor, that they would uh, be tender as we chewed on it. And you know, and, and I think that sometimes... Our Christian lives are just like that meat. We're tough. And you got to get tenderized. And so if, if you are new here to church, if you are not a Christ follower, this is the week for you. Because I'm not going to pick on you. I'm going to pick on the Christ followers. I'm going to tenderize some hearts. But the only way that I can do that is if you're open to it. The only way that the Holy Spirit can speak to you is if you will put down your armor and let him in and hear the words that he says. You know, when, when I think about uh, being on mission, I think of the Apostle Paul. And in Acts 20 and verse um, 24, he says these words. He says, what matters to me is to finish the job that God started in me. What was that job? of letting everyone know about the incredible generosity of God. Boy, that sounds like an exciting proposition. But I, I, I have to ask this question, have you ever started doing what God has called you to do? He's called you to more than just attend Sunday morning service. In case you were wondering. You see, I believe that God's called us to do exactly what Paul was called to do. And that is to tell everyone we meet about the generous love of God. And the indictment on all of us is that I don't know that we're doing a well enough job. When I think about having a job and, 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 and having a very specific job, I, I think of some memes that I've seen online. And these memes talk about you only had one job, all right? And so uh, I'm going to show a couple pictures to you. And, and these are people that had one job. It was a simple job, but they struggled with it. And here's the first one. All they had to do was put the doors on to provide some privacy to those people going to the bathroom. Now, I don't know about you, uh, men, but uh, I'm only using that as a urinal. I've been in the military. I know what it's like to have a 20 different toilets with no wall divided in between any of them. I know what it's like to say, hey, can you pass some uh, toilet tissue down this way? I, am, am, I, am I lying, men? No, you've been in the military. You know what I'm talking about. Look, that's not what I, I go into the Shoney's bathroom for. This guy only had one job, and he messed it up. Well, here's another picture. Here's a carpenter. He only had one job. 
Come on, I hope that's the drawer that's got all the stuff that you never ever look at in. Because you ain't going to get into it. This guy only had one job, and that's what he did. All right, how about this state worker on this picture? He only had one job. Come on. This, I, I tell you what, this might describe the Christian life. Like, ah, I don't know about that, God. I'm just going to keep on going here. I know you want me to get out and move that tree, but I'm not doing it. Who's going to notice? Well, you know, uh, we are in a culture where everybody gets a trophy. And if, if everybody gets a trophy, this is a trophy they deserve. Yes. A couple of you are going to get in a couple minutes. And if you do, just laugh politely to yourself. But yeah, this is the trophy that, I mean, if we're giving trophies to everybody, let's give this one out. And, and seeing as how it's February 28th, I thought that this uh, would be appropriate on um, you only had one job. And check out this container of milk. It doesn't expire, apparently. You know, I don't know where that dairy is, but I'm going to start shopping there because I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the milk and it's been beyond that date and I take that lid off and, you know, I, I, I do the test and, and um, if I think that it's, it's bad, I pour a little bit in a glass and give it to Carrie and ask her to <laughs> test it for me and tell me. But here, this man, I, I don't know that that one ever going to expire. You know, Peter Drucker, um, he is a, uh, uh, was a very famous uh, a businessman and, and talked to people how to uh, have business and have great business. And, and somebody came up to him and asked him, how, do you, can, how can you tell if a, a business is, is doing incredibly well? And he, and he said this. Um, he goes, you just got to ask yourself two questions. And number one is this. What is the business that we're in? And number two is, how's business? What is the business we're in? Now, if we went down to those pictures, all right, the, the guy in the bathroom, uh, we know what his business was. It was hanging up uh, dividers. And uh, how was business? Not very good. He probably got a call that night by his boss who got a call by the owner of the, the restaurant. How about the, the city worker, the state worker that was, all he had to do was paint straight white lines. How was his business? You know, if we get a little closer to home, we might ask ourselves that, what is our business as Christ followers? And more importantly, how's business? Probably the biggest indictment on us as Christians is, is that we don't do a good job of letting other people know that we're Christians. There's a lot of reasons why we do that. None of them are good enough. Because that pride, that fear, that worry is far outweighed by the eternity of that person's soul. You know, Jesus, he was approached by a couple of uh, religious people, Pharisees, and, and, and I think he had this moment of, uh, to remind them, what's your business and how's business? And, and the way that he did this was, in Luke chapter 15, he told them three stories. In the Bible, these are called parables. Um, and so the first story that he told them about was about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he lost one and he put all the others into the, the, the barn or the whatever they did back in that day. And he went out looking for the one. 
And it says when he found the one, he was rejoicing. He's got 99, and he's rejoicing over the one that he found. Well, then he tells another story. And he tells a story about a little old lady who uh, had lost a coin. Now, you know, when you lose a coin and you're desperate for it, it's tough times. I mean, I, I think of uh, uh, going and, and just trying to get air in my tire. And, um, and this was before they had the little where your card would swipe, but you had to have correct change. And not having that and not being able to, to get air pumping. Well, this little old lady, Jesus tells us, that she had lost one of her coins. And she cleaned the entire house. She removed everything. She dusted it. And, and she looked, and then finally she found it in a crevice. And it says that she rejoiced. Well, Jesus, he didn't stop there on those two stories. You know, when you lose something, that's bad. I mean, has anybody ever lost something beside your mind? When, when you lose something, that's bad. Um, when you lose someone, that's worse. And so the next story he talks about is about a son who was lost. And whenever I think about this, I think about one time where, now don't tell my wife about this, but one time I lost our oldest son when he was about four years old. Uh, I don't know, was it bring your kid to work day or what, but for whatever reason, I had my four-year-old son at work with me. And, and it worked out well because my office was separated from everything else, and, and so I had him in there. I remember um, one of the things I did was I, I taught anatomy, and, and so, like, I was teaching him anatomy. My son, he could give you all the digestive parts. He could tell you the 27 points to certain bones. And um, I got a call, and I needed to go into the main building of the hospital, and so I said, Colin, I said, just stay right here. I'll be right back. I didn't come right back. I was gone a little longer than I thought. And then finally, when I, I, I dawned on me, you know what? My son's out in my office. I went back to my office, and he's not there. I panicked, folks. Now, I'm a guy, so you know what I didn't do? I didn't ask for help. I started walking all over that hospital. I went on every floor. I went from one end to the other. I walked all the way around it. I did this for 90 minutes, and I didn't find my son. And I remember as I was walking out of the back door, going back to my office, and I'm, I'm devastated. I mean, how do you call your wife and explain this? You don't. She'll figure it out. No reason to, to advance that pain. And so now I'm going back out to my office because I'm going to make the call. And as I'm walking out the back door, I see this guy who happened to be a social worker walking towards me with my son. And my son, like, Dad! And I grabbed him up and tears ran in my eyes. It's a social worker. He introduced himself as a social worker. His job is to keep kids out of harm. And he said, I could tell. 
tell that you're looking for your son. I'm not going to report this. And I looked at Colin. I said, we're not going to tell mom either, are we? <laughs> she knows now. You know, when you lose something, it's one thing. When you lose someone, it's different. And so Jesus, he tells the Pharisees, the religious people, Christ followers, they thought. He tells them about this guy who had this son, who when he got old enough, he approached his dad. And he said, Dad, I want you to give me everything that's owed to me. I'm out of here. And his dad didn't respond like I would have or like you would have. His dad said, okay. He gave him one-third of the inheritance. And his son took it and split town. Because you know it's a lot funner when you're out of town to live that kind of life. It's hard to do it when mom and dad are around the corner. It's hard to do it when you know people. The Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Two o'clock in the morning is a whole lot different than two o'clock in the afternoon. This young man, he went out, and the Bible tells us that he squandered everything on riotous living. And it's very explicit. He spent the money on women. He spent the money on alcohol. He spent the money on drugs. And he also helped all those that came around and considered them his friend. Because when you got money, you got friends. And he found out when you don't have money, you don't have friends. But you still have family. And he woke up one day as he's feeding pigs. And he tells himself, my dad's servants are living better than I'm living right now. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to just humble myself, and I'm going to tell my dad what a scoundrel I am, and I'm gonna, I'd rather be a servant in my dad's house than a pig slop feeder here in this country. And so he returned. If you got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 15. And verse 25 says these words, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house. Now, when I read this, there's a couple of things I think about. Number one is, isn't it a good thing that the younger brother didn't come through the field to reach the house? And instead, he came down the road? Because if he would have come through the field, he would have met his older brother. And I got to tell you, his older brother wasn't very happy with him. Instead, he's coming down the road, and, and many of you know the story. The father saw him a long way off, and he ran to greet him, hugged him, probably spilled tears on him. And then he called his servants. He says, go get a, the best robe, get a ring, go kill the fatted lamb. We're having a party. And yet the Bible says, meanwhile... The older son was in the field. And I got to tell you something, folks, that the problem with the church in America today is the word meanwhile. 
Because what's happening is there are people who are desperately seeking Jesus Christ. And meanwhile, we're out in the field working. Meanwhile, we're trying to do what we think we're supposed to do as a Christ follower. And we walk by the people who are looking for Christ every day. And we miss it. What happens? We put barriers up. We bring excuses into our lives. You know, this week I overheard a phone call and, um, and, and somebody was talking about our church, how that we changed our name and we dropped the word Baptist off of our name and, and how horrible that was. Folks, I'm all about getting rid of barriers. And, and I believe that that was a barrier to people coming to our church. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. I'm Baptist. Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, folks, I'll be Baptist dead. But let me tell you why I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist because that's the way the Bible teaches it. The Bible tells us that once we've asked Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, the first step of obedience is baptism. Why do we get baptized? We get baptized because that shows people on the outside what happened on the inside. And I'm here to tell you, if you've never been baptized and you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you need to solve that problem. I will help you. All you've got to do is let me know. We put up other barriers. We put barriers like, uh, when I got here, there was a sign as you walked in the doors and it says, no food allowed. Man, I walked in here with food. I walked in, and I'd come in with water, and my wife, she was like, you know, let, let me have a drink of your water. Here, you have a whole bottle. No, I don't want to. You know, the pastor's wife, it says no food. So it wasn't long, and that sign came down. There's people who had a problem with us putting food in this room. Folks, they're going to have a real problem in a month when we have the prom in this room. <laughs> Folks, I am committed that when everyone else is going to tell our kids no, this church will say yes. We will, we will get rid of all the barriers. And what barriers? You know, the, the barriers are like, it's my seat, my parking spot, my, 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 my. And I tell you what, when we keep saying my, God in heaven is saying my, my, my. What barriers? What meanwhile are you busy with and you're missing the people who need God the most? You know, the reason why the, the older brother was this way was because he suffered from a, a condition called gracism. Now, you know, in our culture, we are talking about a term called racism, and absolutely there is an issue in our country. I got a newsflash for you, though. There was an issue um, since Adam and Eve and when they started having kids. There was an issue when they got off the boat, Noah and his family. There's an issue any time that you can put division between people, it is going to be used. But I'm not here to talk to you today about racism. I'm not here to talk to you about gracism. And gracism means I deserve the father and you don't. That's exactly what the older brother was doing meanwhile. Meanwhile, I'm out here working in the field and you're out there wasting dad's money on prostitutes. You're out there wasting dad's money on drugs. 
You're out there wasting dad's money, and I'm here working, and I'm tired of it. And so we put up barriers. We make you, we, uh, it's almost like there's got to be an entry level for you to get in here. No, we're opening up the doors wide. We're, we're making sure that anybody who is seeking God will find him here. We are going to lift the name of Jesus Christ high. Folks, if they don't see Jesus here, it's their problem. Because we're going to get rid of all the barriers. We're going to remove all of the things that could keep them from doing that. You'll never, ever show up here and feel like you took someone else's seat. Because next week, I'll move that seat and I'll put it over there and put another seat that looks just like it. (laughs) And I'll tell them, that's your seat. It's up on the front row now. See, look at this whole row right there. But see, gracism tells us, you know, that it's not about the color of our sin. It's about the color of our sin. You know, we, we think that God looks at sin in different levels. And folks, we're wrong. You know, we, we have this, this thing where we say that I deserve, I deserve to be in the Father's house. I'm good. And we forget where we came from. We forget how bad we were. We forget what Jesus Christ died for in our life. And when we see someone who's struggling in sin, we see someone who's struggling in an immoral life, we see someone who's struggling instead of reacting like the father, meanwhile, we act like the brother. And we tell him, look, you're going to have to clean yourself up before you come see dad. Look, you're going to have to go get some of that money back because that was part of my inheritance too. That's what gracism does. Gracism says, I didn't do that, and I didn't do that, and I didn't do that, and I don't do this, and I won't do that. And we we convince ourselves that, you know what, I'm here on Sunday morning, and I only look at pornography a couple times during the week, and nobody knows about it. We convince ourselves that we sing praises, we sing the name of Jesus, and then this week you'll cuss like a sailor. See, we're so proud about the things that we don't do that nobody knows about. But newsflash, you don't have to worry about Pastor Ronnie. Folks, I promise you, I do not scroll y'all's Facebook looking for stuff. Facebook puts it on my feed. (laughs) It it sees I'm a pastor and it says, this person is associated. Look at what they just posted. Folks, I'm a father of two adult boys. I never had to go and look for it. it got, they, they dropped it off on the front porch, rang the doorbell, and waited. And folks, it's no different with you and God. You think that you're fooling your wives and your husbands. You think that you're fooling your children. You think that you've got your coworkers fooled. But the person that it only matters to is God himself, and you missed it. You haven't fooled Jesus Christ. And and here's the great thing. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want you to try to fool him. Instead, he wants you to accept this term called grace. Not be a gracist, but just receive grace. So each week, I'm going to introduce you to a word, and the word this week is pray. Folks, 
if you've been around me any length of time, um, I have challenged you that there are four things that every Christian needs to have in their life. If you have these four things, then you are going to find out that you have a strong walk with Christ. And number one is that you confess sin. Number two is that you read your Bible. Number three is that you pray. And the last thing is that you live it out. And so if uh, you don't pray, then you are going to struggle with your walk with Christ. If you don't pray, you are going to have a hard time when it comes to what you do as a Christ follower. And if you don't pray, go ahead and advance that, please. If you don't pray, you are going to struggle. And, you know, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave another story. In Luke 18 and verse 9, it said this, And he also told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You know, he's talking about the older brother. The older brother thought he was righteous within himself and he treated others with contempt. He was talking about the Pharisees, the religious people. They trusted in their own righteousness and because of their own righteousness, they treated other people who were less righteous, who were not as good as they were, who were doing worse than things than they have done with contempt. Jesus continues in verse 10 of Luke chapter 18. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. Look at the person next to you and say, that's, that's me. Oh, nobody wants to do that one, huh? It's you. Let's talk about us. Crossroads church people. He said, so there was a crossroads church person that went up to pray, and he was standing by himself, and, and he prayed this way. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I don't even think he said that under his breath. And he's pointing at the tax collector. Meanwhile, I fast twice each week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Church, I want you to understand something that every Sunday, every Sunday, there's a miracle that walks through those doors. There's somebody who is desperately seeking an encounter with God. And that's why we take the barriers away. That's why we make it easy for people to get here, to walk in here, to, to, to feel relaxed. Because the last thing they need to worry about is the person standing behind them or beside them. Because right now their world is falling apart. And they came here to have an encounter with God. And if we treat them like the tax collector, like that person from Crossroads Church here in Luke 18, that's a different version, guys. We treat them like the tax collector. Meanwhile, see, we're busy. We're doing the things that God told us to do and things that we think we're supposed to do. And he beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. I tell you this, those people who walk in here looking for a miracle and they're sitting there, you're probably sitting here right now and you're thinking, that's me. I shouldn't be here. I'm surprised that the the building hasn't collapsed. God hears your heart. And to the rest of you, God hears your heart too. And when you think that you're better than those people, you've missed it. Let's not be that church. See, we only have one job. And the question is this, with only having one job, one day every one of us is going to be put into the ground. If if God doesn't come back and call us and, and we don't meet him in the air, we're going to one day be lying in a casket. And they're going to put that casket in the ground and, and over that area there's going to be a stone. And I wonder what that stone is going to say. Because I can tell you this, that we've only got one job and I wonder what is that job even going to make it onto the headstone. See, I've seen devoted father, loving mother, Incredible aunt. I I, got to be honest. I don't see too many tombstones that says a witness to Jesus Christ. Because that is our one job. And one day God's going to take some pictures and he's going to show us and it's going to look as foolish as those. They only had one job pictures I showed you earlier. You only had one job and you couldn't even do it. You know what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and um, through the, the spirit of the apostles was this, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to understand it says that you'll be witnesses. It didn't say you'll be the judge. It didn't say you'll be the prosecuting attorney. Some of us are good at that. It didn't say you'll be the defense attorney. Some of y'all are good at that too. It said that we will be witnesses. And we have got to learn to stop condemning and start loving sinners. Folks, they are already condemned. They don't need your condemnation. Newsflash, They're not going to any further into hell because you told them how bad that evil deed that they know they did was. And so instead, how about us be a witness? And and I didn't say uh, just witness to them, but be a witness to them. What does a witness do in the courtroom? They get up there and they sit down. They put their hand on the Bible. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so here we are, all you've got to do is tell them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about what God did in your life. Y'all are so, you want one of them testimonies of recovered from alcoholism, drugism, prostitutes. You want that testimony, and you think, well, my story's just not going to be that cool. And you missed it. You missed how your good sins, we're going to send you to hell. 
if you didn't accept Jesus Christ's gift. You gotta be a witness. What does a witness do? Well, this is what I saw. This is what happened. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I wanna let you know that one day I realized when I was six years old, every morning in the Christian school that I was in, the teacher would give a, they, they would share do a devotional, and they'd, they'd ask if anybody who realized that they're a sinner wanted to ask Jesus Christ. I mean, this had been going on for like three months, every day. And then finally one morning, it dawned on me, uh, she's talking about me. I'm a sinner. I've never asked Jesus Christ to, to be my Savior. And that day I did. That's how I can witness. All you got to do is tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You don't have to tell them how bad what they're doing is. They got that one figured out. And if, and if just to give you peace of mind, everybody else is telling them. So you be the witness. Let someone else be the judge. Let someone else be the jury. Let someone else be the prosecuting attorney. Let someone else be the defense attorney, and you just be the witness. So I don't know about you, but this is what Christ did for me. And watch what the power of the Holy Spirit can do through your story. The truth, nothing but the truth. So folks, I've challenged you, and I'm going to continue to challenge you each week that I want you to be here. You've already been here for one week. If you're watching online, I challenge you, be here next week. And be here for the next four weeks. Because each week I'm going to bring a word back to you. And when it's all said and done, each one of these practical words are going to help you in your walk with Christ. Number two is, I need you to be involved. Here's what being involved looks like. Um, You see some folks running around with pins. And it says, ask me about my life group. If you look at your note taker, if you flip it on the back, there's a list of different life groups going on this week. Uh, Tomorrow at 1 o'clock here in the church, there'll be a life group. Uh, At 7 o'clock, the men will be meeting. On Tuesday, um, the ladies are are meeting. On Wednesday, there'll be one here at 10 o'clock. I mean, we've got them throughout. And here's what I tell you. If none of those times work for you, start your own. As you walk out on one of the tables, there is a... um, a going deeper guide. And this is what we do in life group. We go through those questions. Dads, be a leader in your own home. Take one of those and one day during dinner, sit down with your children and go through that. Sit down with your husband or wife, sit down with the family and go through those questions. You know, I don't know about you, but when, when I, uh, the Lord speaks to me with a message that I hear online, I usually listen to it about 20 times. I would encourage you that that you should start doing the same thing because I don't know what I said uh, that that resonated, but I can assure you this, that if you listen to it again, there's probably more there. And I want to encourage you. And then when you come together in life group, what happens is community. And what happens is you start hearing other people ask questions or answer and say, hey, that's uh, when he said this, this is what I was thinking about. And, and it does two things. Number one is it validates. Have you all ever been in class and you were just dying to raise your hand and ask the stupid question? Okay, you were dying to ask the stupid question, but you didn't want to raise your hand because it was a stupid question. And, and a bunch of teachers have lied to you 
all your life in education, and they said there's no such thing as a stupid question. I've heard them. There are. And for some reason, there's somebody that raises their hand and asks it. But here's what happens. Every time a stupid question gets asked, you can literally hear the rest of the room like, thank you so much, Matter of fact, there's that one person that's in a class, and you like, you like just praise God. Thank you for, she just raised her hand. She's going to ask a stupid question. See, that's what happens in life group. We, we sometimes ask stupid questions. And what you find out is that you'll never ask that, and somebody else will. You know, one of the, most, the things that I'm most proud about our church is, you know, we have been a friendly church. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of a time when we weren't. And it's not just uh, me telling you that, it's the testimony of this. But what's changed us over the last 9 to 12 months is we've gone from being just a friendly church to being a church, a community. Here's what it looks like. Um, 15 months ago, when the final prayer said, and we say amen, it was like a Daytona 500 getting to the cars and out of the parking lot. Now, now, folks, there is not going to be any intersection that's blocked. You, you know, we've got a big parking lot. It's going to be easy to get out there. Bonnie Cafe is going to be open, and there's not going to be a line. But here's what happens. Try it today. 20 minutes after this is all said and done, there'll still be half of you still in here talking to each other. That's community. And, and, and I just want to tell you, those people that are sticking back and talking, they're probably wearing one of these pins. They're in a life group. They have connected with somebody else. And I want you to know, I want you to be involved, if it's just for these five weeks. Five weeks. Folks, you can do anything for five weeks. How many of you, when they said, um, you know, we are just going to, uh, you know, try to stop COVID, we're going to take three weeks And it lasts a little longer than three weeks. I remember I was about to deploy, and of all people, my pastor, uh, uh, he and his wife and me and Carrie are out at lunch, and he says it's only nine months. Nine months. That could, might as well have said nine years. It's only nine months. But I'm here to tell you, it's only it's five times. And if at the end of those five times, you don't feel like you are closer to Jesus Christ, don't go back. But I could pull up these chairs and a microphone and start bringing people up here, and they tell you otherwise. How many of you, don't raise your hand, just raise your eyebrows, but how many of you almost didn't come to church today? And now you're glad you did. How many of you have ever gone to the gym and, and like you didn't want to go, but after you went, you were glad you did? That's what life group's like. You'll be nervous the first time you walk in there. You'll feel like, you, you know, you stand out. You feel like, you know, you, 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 you're the only new person that night. But I'm here to tell you that you'll experience community and you'll get involved and you'll, you'll take whatever God spoke to you in this message away with you at a a deeper level. And the third thing I need you to do is be open. Worship team, if you'll come up and get ready to, to sing. When I say be open, 
look, I don't want to beat you up like that tri-tip steak. But sometimes it's got to happen. The Bible uses the words to tear up the fallow ground. You know, pretty soon, uh, in a couple of weeks, the farmers are going to get the plows out and they're going to dig up the soil. And, and that, that hard soil that, that packed it down, it's there for a reason. It's there to protect. Because if it wasn't there, the, the good stuff would just blow away. And so I know what you've done. You've been trying to protect yourself. And you've hardened your heart. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. You're in a safe place. This is where you want to, to get, allow the ground to be tore up. Allow your heart to be tenderized so that you can hear the message. And the message is this. We've only got one job. How are we doing? Now, we're about to sing. I want you to stand to your feet. We're about to sing, sing that song, Nobody, again. Now, guys, th this is what I love because, like, this, this message series, I've been preaching this to myself for the last three months. And I knew that this was the song, that, that this was going to be our series song. And, and so I'm going down the road, and when this comes on, I mean, I, 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 got, I got motions when I, I do this song. You know, and it says, um, I'm a nobody. Like, I, nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Oh, man. Folks, I don't know if that don't give you goosebumps. I don't know what will. Are you willing to be a nobody that will tell everybody about the one somebody, Jesus Christ, who saved your soul? If he's never saved your soul, don't you leave today without that. You come see me. If he has, I'm going to ask you to be in prayer now. And I want you to, I want you to be praying like the tax collector. And I want you to pray these words back to Jesus. God, I've been a horrible nobody because I've been telling nobody about nobody. I haven't told the truth, nothing but the truth. Let's sing. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.